Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Rough Sketch to Final Draft, the show that we talk about things from the rough sketch of life and the humble nature of us working towards a final draft in life, which is always a thing of contention sometimes in individuals' lives because we are working towards something that we may never get a chance to achieve in one lifetime how we will be remembered and how we want to be remembered will be left into those hands of those behind us and i'm visited today by an amazing guest i have the incredible michelle here today and we're going to be talking about a fantastic topic which is related to the intro that i just gave about the idea of how we'll be remembered and what the kind of thoughts that we have about ourselves during our lives we are talking about trauma to transformation, continuing on this fantastic topic. And I have such an amazing guest with me today to go over this journey and this piece of healing that is necessary for us all to reflect on. So I'm going to pass it over to my esteemed, amazing guest today for her to allow um, the audience to know who she is and um, more about her with her background. So Michelle, please go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you, Adam. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Michelle Gill, aka The Grief Curator. I'm an author and speaker normalizing conversations around grief and loss, mental health advocacy, and disability awareness. And I help folks um, in all ways of loss and grief, but especially those who have lost a loved one uh, within the last six months to a year, um, navigating that really rough patch um, when you first lose someone. So really excited, honored, and humbled to be on the podcast today, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you as well, most definitely. I would certainly say that jumping into the fact of dealing with the grief and the loss that we've gone through as a world and as a society within the past several years um, has been impactful to us all. I don't think there's a man, woman, or child across this entire world that hasn't been affected by it. In mm. the truest sense, it's one of the reasons why the inception time for coaching and healing has genuinely become such a passion, I'm sure, mm. of yours. Can mm. you go into a little bit about what it is that um, kind of was the inception about what got you into wanting to delve into this mm. into a deeper way at this particular point in time in your life? Ah, oh, well, and heads up, uh, this is going to be an emotional ride. So in 2018, oh, no. my father passed away. Uh, he was 94. And um, oh. at that age, you would think that I was ready. Um, I thought I was ready. Hmm. Uh, he had been in and out of the hospital. They had told us to prepare ourselves. And um, I was like, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm, I know, you know. But when it happened, the shock and the grief um, and the depression were astronomical. And as I tell my grieving community so often, there is no guidebook for grief. It's so personal, like a fingerprint. And I had, I had no idea how I was going to respond and how I did respond. The great thing is that there are people who have walked and are continuing to walk this path. 
and they are there to lend a hand. And it was probably after a year I realized I needed some extra help. I went back to therapy. And in the course of of working through things, I realized this is something that I that I want to do. Because uh, I saw so many people in the in the grief groups that I became a part of, um, and in in my other friends who were also going through things. Thank goodness this didn't happen to me because I had a I have a very amazing friend community. Um, but a lot of people, when they lose someone, there is no one, and they're immediately told that oh, it's been a year or it's been six months. It's time to move on. They're dead. Uh, terrible things, terrible, terrible mm-hmm. things to say to someone uh, who is grieving. And I kept seeing this and I thought, I need, I need to share. I need to create a safe, a truly safe space where people can feel like, oh, my grief matters. I'm heard. I'm seen. I'm given the space and the permission to to grieve, to really uh, mourn this person, and and to learn better how to one grieve in healthy ways, but also to um, stand up for themselves to people who are like, "Well, you should get over it by now." So, mm-hmm. so that's what's really got me into it was my own loss, and then just seeing around me um, how people weren't supported. Yeah, it's beautiful. The truest sense about the grief being a fingerprint. That's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's um, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful way to actually encapsulate the perfection of the idea of literally to think about the grieving process as something that is so unique. That is literally mm-hmm. something that we each individually go through. Even if all of us lost a loved one, how we go about that is going to be absolutely mm-hmm. as unique as a fingerprint. That's just a fantastic, beautiful thought. Um, in the truest mm-hmm. sense, what are some of the, the guidelines that you end up coaching individuals through in that beautiful process? And of course, sorry for your loss. And that's, um, mm, thank I'm you. Back my what, what are some of the, it's, it's been five years, been five years and it's still rough. And that's what I tell people that there is no timeline. Um, it doesn't yeah. matter. I have friends, um, I have a particular friend who had lost his brother like mm, 35 years ago. and Obviously, grief evolves over time. It's not going to be as rough and as suffocating as it is the first six months to a year. However, 35 years later, Mm. my friend was in a store and he heard a song come on the radio in the store and he just started sobbing because that song reminded him of his brother. And that's what I tell people that. Do not, do not feel ashamed, number one, of your tears. Um, unfortunately, in the, especially in the West, there is um, a taboo and a stigma around, around crying in general, but especially when it comes to grief. And so I tell them, you, you know, you, your grief journey is your grief journey. No one has the right to tell you how you should walk it. And... Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how long it's been. And it doesn't matter who it was that you lost. I went through this in, wow, when, when did she pass? Uh, 22. I, I, I think I believe she passed in 22. Gosh, it's been a year. I had a friend, dear friend that passed away much too soon of cancer. And 
here I am in the grief space, holding space for the grieving community. And when I lost her, that that week after, I was depressed. I I was easily irritated. I was tired. I was sleeping a lot. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Am I coming down with something? No, it was grief. But because she was my friend and not a, you know, a parent or a sibling or a spouse or a, she was a friend. And, and even that, that type of relationship, it's like, why are you, why are you so upset? I mean, it's not like she was related to you. Oh my God. No, but she was a dear friend and had brought so much light and joy to everyone. She was just one of those people, you know, that just everybody loved her. And so I hold space for that as well. It's like, it doesn't matter who it was. You're grieving and your grief is valid. So I, that, I tell them that first, that your grief is valid and it matters. And I am just here as a guide not a guru, not somebody who's going to tell you this is how it should be done. Cause there is, there are no, there is no way, proper way that it should be done. Um, and just to hold space for them to experience everything because grief is complicated. There's anger, there's sorrow, there's moments of joy, which a lot of grievers feel guilty about. So just holding space, um, and giving them uh, the permission, if they feel they need it, to feel everything is where we begin. I love that. Being able to actually genuinely have a safe environment where they feel mm -hmm. respected, even as a, a young child, um, when they're upset about something, it's usually just mm -hmm. dismissal. In the, and this is mm -hmm. across the board, and the fact that we've all experienced this in some sense that get over it, you're a child, or something else to that effect that actually compounds the issues. We now have too much literature mm -hmm. and too much mm -hmm. science on these types of things. Like that was never the right idea. It denies their reality. It's not allowing them to accept where they're at, even if it is something that is imaginary, even if it was to understand and walk them through in a respectful manner to get them from A to Z in the process of understanding where there might have been misguided thoughts. I think um, one of the things that, as you were sharing there, came up for me is the fact that there, there is no one right way. That's, that's powerful for mm -hmm. the audience to be able to listen to. Any one of your followers and anyone that's ever going to be able to fall upon this podcast or YouTube channel recording in the future. And again, I do this whenever there's an episode. If you go back to all of them, you can always hold me accountable to all of these. I'm, I'm graced with this amazing guest. Her name is Michelle. If you're just popping in right now, um, bless you. You found this for a reason. If you did find this, there's no coincidences in this universe. If you're a part of this uh, energy that's falling onto this episode, then it was for a reason. There's a synchronicity. There's an alignment. There's something here to get from this episode. This amazing woman, Michelle, is an incredible healer. Check out her content. All that links and everything else like that will be in the descriptions down below. Um, so that's just something that I usually always just kind of keep going throughout these conversations. But the thing of it is, is that uh, to get back to the topic at hand, is that even with the fact of there is no correct way to grieve, it takes the pressure off. Mm -hmm. Isn't that just loving even on its own in the sense that um, I'm so grateful that you have that perception because it, it really just does create the safe space as you're mentioning. There's no one road to success so how could there be only one way to properly grieve right so i think that's beautiful um where is it that you found if we can transition again into a kind of deeper dive with this where is it that you found 
the strength to be able to be there and create this safe space for others. Having gone through it yourself, it's quite the courageous and amazing transition mm-hmm. as we're talking about from trauma to transformation. And here you are now being this bright, beautiful light, helping others through their transformational journey. Kind of go into that. Oh, well, it's something that I constantly check in with myself on because it has only been five years and it has already been five years. And there was, um, I I generally don't do one-on-ones or, um, yeah, I generally don't do those in the month of July because that's when he passed. And, um, I just check in with myself because, so for instance, this year, both June and July were so rough because of Father's Day. And then of course, July was his death anniversary. And there were other things going on in my life at the time as well. Um, things that I was having to, um, hold space for myself for, but also hold space for family members. And when, when that happens, the, um, the potential for emotional and psychological overload is very high. Um, So first of all, I I prioritize myself uh, because I can't help anyone if I am in the depths of my own uh, grief or going through something. However, I, I think this is a thing. I, I'm not the only one I've talked to other, other, um, grief um, and death doulas. I've talked to other people in the grief space. Um, uh, I've talked to therapists. There is something within us. And I think part of it is all the ones I've met are highly empathetic, um, as I am. And we just want this incredible pain, this incredible experience to mean something and we want to take that and use what we've learned to provide a light for those so that so that those who come behind us don't have to flounder like we did mm. and it's why it's so important um, and I, it's why I, I follow so many people within the grieving community. There's not enough of us. There's so much space in this grief space for people to reach out a hand and offer healing and offer um, those safe environments where those out there, you know, one of the things that I've realized just within the last like couple of years is I'm sure you've heard of food deserts. These are places that don't have access to um, healthy organic food and things like that. Well, there's also psychological deserts where people do not have access or there's a limited amount of access to um, mental health care. And grief is part of that. And so many people, like I said at the beginning, experience 
this lack within their own community or with their own family and friend circle. Um, it's why my my memoir, which hopefully comes out the um, and by the end of this year, uh, is called mm-hmm. "Don't Tell Me to Get Over It," because so many people that's what they hear. It's it's time to get over it. And one of the other ways that I address this is I, when I hold space, I also teach people this is how to hold space. And that concept comes from um, the author Heather Plett. um, And she talks about holding space and what that means. And to paraphrase, it means to, to be with someone and to listen to them and truly see them without judgment without judgment. And that's why I always say that the grief journey is so personal. You cannot judge another person's grief journey. Now, if they are heading into a direction where the expression is heading into unhealthy areas, um, you can still hold space and guide them back to be like, maybe would you think about trying this instead? Um, There definitely is um, a place for that. But in general, most people just want somebody to listen, to not even say anything. And Mm. I do this even within my friend circle. Um, If somebody comes to me or is going through a tough time, I've learned to say, what do you want from me? Do you want me to just listen? Do you need a hug? Or do you want advice? And I leave the choice up to them. And always, always without judgment, because we can't know what's going on inside or what their relationship was like. So just to, just to hold space, you start there. So many things that come up there. I know that everyone is getting a chance to listen to this. It's benefiting. I think that the um, the language of grief, even in the coaching sphere, as well as it is within the grieving sphere, within the life-changing motivational sphere, whatever it is, taking the time to understand and to decode, to become mm-hmm. a translator for that individual's internal love language, mm-hmm. their inner language that they speak with themselves whatever that is, whatever culture they came from. And that could also even just be the household culture that literally how the mother and father, the parental units in that regard, the dynamic, perhaps they were adopted, whatever it was, there's a language that was taught there on how they communicate, how they deal with pain, how they deal with shame, how they deal with aggression, and also how they deal with failure and also success in the household where good grades rewarded. Were they shamed? Were they just expected? Were they ignored? Was bad behavior rewarded? Was it shamed? Was it um, chastised? Was there punishment in, in some sort of a visceral way? This is language. This is absolute language. So I'm absolutely with you in the sense of just adding additional flavor for the audience to listen to and understand that there's many forms to understand someone's language and to sit on that bench with them while they're grieving. Side by side, 
and just look over the edge of the cliff with them and just sit there. There's no judgment. They're having thoughts. Though the only way that we can ever help everyone assist in that regard is legitimately to understand their perspective from their language, from their internal processes. And then we can share with them and they'll feel like they're finally being seen, truly seen, and they're finally being heard. And then whatever it is that you're actually going to share with them is really going to be that transformation in that truest sense. And, that, and something that I hold near and dear in any of this coaching sphere, in any regard, is that we cannot change others. Well, so then the question is, well, then why would you even get into these, these spheres? Because people can change themselves. And just by holding that space, which is what you do so beautifully with your wonderful light, Michelle, is by just holding that space, it allows them to contemplate and then to chew and then to digest, let it marinate maybe a little bit. And then they're thinking about doing the changes, right? And then if you're offering them with a hug, by the way, I would take the hug. Um, then we can, you know, move forward. So and I think that's a beautiful mm -hmm. process. Um, wow. And I, I think even the author that you brought up was, was a good reference. What are some other good references that you've um, gotten a chance to study and look into that um, are good guiding lights, even just for people's leisure, you know, expose? What, what would you recommend for oh, some my. Other, um, good, good literature? So many. So, oh my gosh. Um, I, I definitely will begin by saying on my website, I do have a spot where I list um, books that I recommend uh, with a link um, that I have found helpful for myself. Um, I need to update it because I, I've also recently added children's books to that list. Um, dear friend of mine lost both a nephew, a young nephew, and her father within the space of like two months. And her niece was having um, a difficult time. So when I went to, um, when I went to her father's wake, actually, I brought several of those children's books with me. And I said, take these, read them to her, see if they help. Because um, like you had said, um, you know, you have to hold space for children as well and do it in such a way that that you're guiding them, um, that you're helping them learn healthy ways of expressing their emotion and their grief. Um, kind of to take a step back, uh, when you said that, I immediately thought, you know, we truly teach children by what we do. It's that whole thing of don't don't do as I do, do as I say, but that's not how it works. It works by children observe. And some of them, you can actually see it. Yeah. I know I was one of those kids that I was just, I was just very observant. I was just quiet and I was just looking and yeah. you see the kid, they do that and they pick that stuff up. So if you are having a hard time with your grief and, and suppressing it and ignoring it, your child will learn to do that as well. That's why it's, that's why self-awareness and self-healing is so, so very important. And also to your point, yeah, that's what we do. We hold space. A, a an amazing yeah. therapist and an amazing coach is not going to tell you how to heal. They will just listen, and then you you figure it out. Because we know, we know it's in there. 
We just need someone to give us permission to dig deep and to be a safe Mm -hmm. space that we can grab onto when when things get overwhelming because that does happen. So, but I will say to back to your question about um, who, uh, definitely mm-hmm. have to recommend David Kessler. He worked with um, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, who was the author of um, On Death and Dying, which, mm-hmm. as I've mentioned um, to my grief community, uh, that book was um, phenomenal for those who are actively dying, for those who are in hospice, for not for the people left behind. That's not what it was meant for. Um, and so David Kessler has since written other books um, for those of us who are left behind. So I highly recommend him. Of course, he's on all the, he's on Instagram. He's on all the social media. So definitely go and follow him. He's, um, he always hosts um, really incredible workshops and things like that. So um, yeah, definitely check him out. Another one is Megan Devine. Um, and actually... I was recently reading book? her book. Uh, it's called It's Okay <laughs> That You're Not Okay, Meeting Grief and Loss in a Culture That Doesn't Understand. I highly recommend her. Um, she's she's phenomenal. And she's also uh, on all the socials. So definitely, definitely follow her. Um, and yeah, just um, if you go to my website, you can see all the books that I recommend um, that I have found help because not all of them are. Not all of them are helpful. Um, and again, hmm. everybody's grief journey is different so so yeah and of course check out my book when it comes out (laughs) at the end of the year um although mine is more um, about my grief journey so (laughs) yes there we go there we go that's where i was leading i wanted to get to the pack of that yeah um and for for all of us out there because we do grieve differently and because we heal differently Mm -hmm. In that truest sense, mm-hmm. we can all get the same exact cut, but someone's going to heal differently because of their genetics. And that's just something that goes. The genetics is also in the mm-hmm. healing process yeah. is that someone might heal from an autobiography or a life coaching style mm-hmm. book or a children's book at whatever age and whatever development. These are resources, folks. Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about. There's so many different styles and mm-hmm. genres, and there's a cornucopia of mm-hmm. the industry of, of healing that can benefit us in all different ways and shapes and sizes again just to quote something that is Mm -hmm. simple for the mind to digest you read a book once you saw it the way you did you read it two times three Mm -hmm. times four times it changes not because the book changed right harry and hermione weren't different in the different part of the book right aragon really still did slay the dragon right smog was still there um you know Hamlet hasn't changed since Shakespeare wrote it. The thing is, is that we change as a reader, right? So that's why I wanted to have the opportunity to uh, to ask that good question to you because I know you're a fantastic reference. And just so everyone understands, I found Michelle um, through Instagram, and her content is so authentic and so genuine. It inspired me to want to reach out to her in the first place. Um, So you you are absolutely an authentic soul and you are absolutely someone that drew me in. So as individuals get a chance Mm -hmm. to hear more about you, um, I just, like I said, since I first got a chance to chat with you through Instagram, um, I've been honored and grateful for this opportunity because I know that you have a healing soul and that you're going to continue healing um, hundreds uh, of individuals' lives. So um, if I ask these questions, it's of course just to let the audience know how how well versed you are and where you are. And I did check out your website. I saw that you did recommend books, so I thought, oh, mm-hmm. I'll ask her about that on the on the episode so she gets a chance to share. Um, um, so, in that sense, um, transitioning still into this 
transformational process in, in the grieving um, stages. What are some of the grieving stages for us in, in the community and us who have been working on individuals and working with groups and working on one-on-ones mm. and so on and so forth? It might be a little bit more you know, well-known to us, but someone who might be finding us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts today, mm. a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, depending on if the world doesn't burn down. Um, <laughs> what, are some of, what are some of the steps that we find ourselves and that we, um, that we meet people at? Where, um, just for the benefit of the audience, just kind of walk through some of those that um, are more, I guess, common for people to mm. understand if they're there. Well, although Kubler-Ross wrote on death and dying for those actively dying, the five stages of grief are a great place to begin. Um, They are denial, acceptance. I'm not doing them in order (laughs) because I can't remember them in order. Denial, acceptance, anger, uh, bargaining. Uh, The last one is acceptance, actually, is where you accept it, but I can't remember what the fifth one is. But that is a great place to begin. However, for those left behind, there is no rhyme or reason to the stages. They are not linear. You will go through all five in a week. You could um, be stuck on, and stuck is probably not the right word, but you can find yourself just in anger for quite a while, and then it might move to denial. There's no rhyme or reason. And that is okay. That's okay. That's that's how this works. Grief, and this is why I chose this tagline for what I do. Grief is not a problem to be fixed. It's love with nowhere to go. Because I view love, it's a choice. Love is a choice. It's um and it it's energy. Um so I don't really see it as an emotion. It's, it's this, it's a choice that we make and we make it every day. Um, but it's also energy and where is that energy going to go? And, you know, your person is no longer here physically. Um, now for me personally, I believe that the soul is immortal. Like the soul goes on. That's my personal belief. Um, and so I take that and I talk to my dad every day Hmm. and I feel him. I feel him around this property that where I grew up. I, I know that he's still watching out for me. I believe that with all my heart and soul. And I feel it. I feel his energy. And uh, I'm here. I'm with him. That might not be how someone else deals with grief or feels, and that's okay as well. But what a beautiful way to look at it, that all this love that I had for my dad so much, he was, he was an incredible man. Every time I meet somebody new, I always think, I wish you could have met him. he packed so many lifetimes into those 94 years um, and not all of it was good. So, um, yeah, I take that love, that energy 
And that's part of what, going back to why you asked, how do I do this? I take all of that love and I push that out into my grieving community. I take all that love that I have for him that's still there. And this is why grief is not a problem to be fixed. It never goes away. And I know for some people that sounds, oh my God, that sounds very traumatic. That sounds terrible. You're always going to have grief. You're always going to grieve. Yeah, because I'm always going to love. My love hasn't gone away. Just the physical presence of the person I loved is gone. And man, I could talk I could talk a whole other hour just about that, but um, but I will say this that that that's what that's what you do with your grief. And one of the things I tell my grieving community is that's why I say lean into your grief, don't ignore it, don't run away. We all do it, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because. The human brain and the human heart was not meant to carry this incredibly heavy burden. Number one, we weren't created to carry it alone. That's why I have a grieving community. I encourage that. You've got to have a community. You have to have a support system. And... And then once you're ready, and only once you're ready, and you alone know when that is, you will know. You will know. I just knew at some point, this is what I'm meant to do, and I'm, and I'm ready. You take that love, and you pour it out on those who need it who weren't as blessed and lucky as you were to have such an incredible person. I'm very conscious of this. Now, my father was not a perfect person. He was human. Um, and he was not always a perfect parent. But he loved me. He, he loved me. And not everybody has that. Not everybody has that. So I take that. And I pour that into them and I hold space for them. And I tell them, you know, even if your relationship with your person was less than perfect, even if it was horrid and abusive, you can still hold space for grief because there, the grief still exists. Even if the only grief you feel in this moment or that you recognize is the grief that that person was not who you needed them to be. That is a legitimate grief. Especially if it was a parent. You deserved to have a loving parent who held space for you. You did not deserve, and it was not your fault, if you had a parent who was abusive or neglectful or hateful or narcissistic, you are a child. All children deserve to have parents who love them unconditionally. It's just that as human beings, we are very flawed. And 
we all come with intergenerational wounds, which is why I'm so glad that you mentioned, Adam, that that whole thing about genetics and, 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 and all of that. Um, and it, I found it very yeah. interesting that you talked about, um, even if you're adopted, because I am adopted yeah. and, um, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> my, my father loved me as if he were, as if he were blood related and all those right. intergenerational wounds that he carried and that my mother carries it doesn't matter. They still get passed on. So I just wanted to say that to anyone who's listening right now, I am holding space for you. And I am sending you so much love, truly, because I have so much more to give now because my father is gone. Such an incredible. Well, I'm just going to take sorry. a breath. Yeah. Here. I'm just going to look at <laughs> Hold space. Yep. <laughs> yep. Hold space for you. That's incredible. And for everyone who's listening in, I just, as, as we sit here and have a moment and just let that sit in a safe space, anyone that's listening, I'm sure that they're all feeling that. And this woman has so much love to give. Resonate with it. Allow it to permeate you in whichever way that it needs to through your soul through your mind through the grief that you might be thinking about it's all relative it must relate to your journey in one way or another and i think that really as a takeaway even for the beauty of all that you just shared the fact of literally understanding and giving a terminology to the definition of what grief is is that it's love that has nowhere to go that's simply, that's a beautiful takeaway. That is maybe one of the most loving interpretations in the kaleidoscope of ways that I've ever heard grief ever explained to me in a seminar, in a one-on-one -on -one session, in a book. That is maybe one of the most loving definitions I've ever been provided. And I'm sure that this audience is benefiting from understanding that as well. So just let that sink in, everybody. But if you ever find yourself feeling grief, smile and understand that it's literally love that just simply has nowhere to go. It's nothing to hide from, something to run from, something to feel bad or guilty about. It's literally love, like a little puppy sitting somewhere wanting to snuggle someone, but having no one to snuggle. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to make the audience a little bit more of a smile now because that was we're 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 hitting on some heavy here. Well, I'm going to put some smiles on some people's faces and lift their hearts right now. Little puppy, a little puppy called love, and it wants to snuggle somebody. Mm. That's 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 mm. just amazing. And I'm going to say it now and for all time because it'll be on the recording. Your father must have been absolutely an incredible human soul to have raised such an amazing woman who now is here changing the lives of so many. God bless your father, mm. wherever he may be. Mm. That's incredible. What a, what a genuine share. Thank you for that, Michelle. Mm. Well. Thank you for um, allowing me to share it. <laughs> absolutely. 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 You're the star of the show. I'm just, I'm just the Johnny Carson. That's it. I'm just an <laughs> and humble audience. I'm nobody. I mean, this is, uh, oh. this is just a humble start. <laughs> so, um, you are well, definitely let's, let's somebody. You are not nobody. 
Well, many thanks. Uh, she she said it, audience. She said it. Love you. Sending you love and light, Michelle. Um, love you. Um, well, let's 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 transition a little bit. Let's keep moving forward with the transformation side of things. Now that we've kind of mm-hmm. come up to uh, a particular great milestone, this beautiful conversation that I knew that we were going to have. And again, folks, none of these episodes are ever scripted. We hop on a call and we shoot from the heart. These are the amazing conversations mm-hmm. that I've had with these incredible individuals. Michelle and I had a conversation for about 10 minutes before we hopped on the call. Maybe not even that. And here we are sharing our absolute hearts together. So I hope that you're all learning and loving and benefiting as I know that you all are. Um, so let's transition into the transformation aspect of, of this and um, maybe share something that you've seen. Obviously, no names need to be mentioned, but something that you've seen is a beautiful transformation from someone's process that uh, really solidified the fact that you know that what you're doing really has a pathway that people really can begin to journey upon and that really does bear the fruits of the healing process. So we both work in that healing sphere. So the forum is yours. How about it? I will say this, and yes, no names. Um, So a lot of what I do, I do primarily on the Clubhouse app. Now, if you are not familiar with the Clubhouse app, Clubhouse is a social audio app where you can hop on. Um, It's mostly on your phone. There is a third-party app you can use called Club Deck um, where you can listen. And I will often share my replays with people who aren't on Clubhouse because you can still listen to the replays on your browser. But it's a social audio app where you can hop into a room, a virtual room, and just start talking. So I created a community there. Um, I have a, a they call them houses. I, I created a house called the Grief Curator House. And I host weekly rooms there. Uh, where I talk about different aspects of grief, different topics. Um, I I did one a couple of weeks ago um, specifically about what it is like to live through the first six months after a loved one dies. And for that one, no script. Usually I have a bit of a script to follow. That one, I did what we did today. I, I shot from the heart. I love that. And I just talked I um, because it was something that I had lived and I knew so much about. And one of my community members reached out to me afterwards and said, Michelle, that was so incredible. And I felt better about myself knowing mm-hmm. that what I'm living right now, because they're going through they're they're within that six, that first 6 months and they said i'm so glad that i have you and that you shared so vulnerably because now i feel like as awful as this is i know there's joy still on the other side and i know that whenever i do feel these these moments of joy that it's okay that I don't have to feel guilty, that I'm not somehow betraying my person. And Mm. that was 
that was incredible because you don't always hear uh, when you've touched someone's life. And so it's wonderful when you do, you're like, oh, this is actually, somebody's actually listening. Some, you know, it is making a difference, me just holding the space. And, and that was incredible. That was incredible. And for them to even have that realization while they're still in the first six months, huge, huge. I didn't have that. It took me, it took me a year, year and more. So, so yeah, yeah it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Another story. Fact. Oh no, go ahead. No, no. I was just saying, just interesting in the fact of that. That's all. I was just adding to, I was just adding with, I thought you were taking mm-hmm. a pause. So I was, I was just adding as we were going mm-hmm. there. So keep, continue sharing. Continue <laughs> sharing, of course. Another story um, is one where I had spoken about, you know, this, this fact that everyone grieves differently and that anger yeah. is a part of that. And so if somebody is reacting Take a pause, take a deep breath, and just listen. Let them spew it out. And and then ask yourself, and if it's possible, ask them those questions that I asked. What do you need right now? Do you need me to just listen? Do you need a hug? Or do you need some advice? And another community member had reached out and said, I, and this wasn't, this was about um, a person in their life who's still living. And I love this because this is also part of what I hope happens. And that is if you are, if you find yourself with someone, a loved one who has not passed away yet, now is the time to make changes to yourself, to yourself. Because again, like you said, Adam, you can't change somebody else. You can only change yourself, but you can do certain things in your life that can make it a little bit easier. One of my dreams or goals is that you have less regret when it's your turn. Because I thought that I would have no regret. I moved back in with my parents to take care of things because they couldn't handle stuff anymore. And I thought, well, this is great. I'm not going to have any regret because I'm here. I'm physically here. Yeah. But mentally and psychologically, I wasn't. And emotionally, I wasn't present. So I still had a lot of regret. And I... I think everybody's going to have some regrets, but my hope is that by sharing with you, by being vulnerable, I can mitigate some of those regrets when it's your turn. And for this person, I think I did, at least a couple of them. And she reached out and said, yeah, I I realize now that what this person is going through and the way that they act is because of their grief that is not healthy, is not being handled in a healthy way. So, so yeah, there, there definitely are transformations happening and it's beautiful and humbling to witness. And as I'm sure you have experienced in your line as well. 
very much so. It's just part of the journey. And it's, it's, and for the audience, again, on every single one of these episodes with Lulu, with Dea, with, um, with Jasmine, now with Michelle, we all align on this. None of us got involved in this for any other reason than this is genuinely something that is a innate inner calling. We're not doing this for anything else other than the fact that we know that our soul's purpose is somehow driving us towards this, that if we wouldn't do this, we'd be driven back to doing this somehow. This is, um, this is where our hearts are. This is where our souls dwell. I know this inside of this wonderful woman, Michelle, that's on the show today. I've had the conversations and you've heard the episodes and the talks that I've had with everyone else. We're authentically being our vulnerable, transparent selves. We're doing our absolute best to be there for others and hold space for them and whatever their journey is. The recognition can come. It's great. At the same time, the thing of it is, is that we're doing this because this is what we believe in. And we know it because we've been there. We've walked over the fire coals. We've stepped on the broken glass. We've had our mm. lives flipped upside down. We were out in the ocean and we were capsized and we had to find the scraps found on the shore like a castaway and create a raft with Wilson and figure out how to get through this thing again. Right. Like, and, and Wilson represents the inner dialogue that we all have with mm -hmm. one another. Like that's where we really thrive and survive is this inner conversation piece. That's ourselves that we take with us on this journey. And I think one of the most powerful things that you mentioned as well, just in the sharing that you just did a second ago is the fact of when we allow individuals to have a safe space, taking a step back with that. What that really means in a social, economical, cultural kind of way. In the Western world, we literally are born into a thought process of asking for two things, either permission or forgiveness. Mm. So what Michelle is conveying is that when literally we hold space in a safe way for others, we're giving them permission. Because otherwise, when we cry, when we grieve, when we feel bad, in our way in which our world has gone, we are then made to feel bad for being the one that feels bad in front of others. So then we're asking for forgiveness when we feel bad versus being heard, which would allow us to heal and move forward. So what Michelle is saying is absolutely life-changing. It could be in a relationship. It could be in a breakup. It could be, and again, all this wisdom with anyone that we are ever chatting with here on this show and in any part of your life it is applicable to everything. If you have a situation in your love life, if you have a situation with a grieving situation, holding space for someone else and learning to do the act of listening, like Michelle just said, what do you need? And ask the loving questions can revolutionize your, your love life, your love, your friendships with your, your inner circle, your love life there in that regard, your parental, you know, um, relationships that we're all working on. None of us are perfect and none of our parents are perfect. Um, they're perfectly imperfect. So this is, this is really genuinely not just life-changing. It really, it, it can be life-changing because of the way in which that language changes the thoughts of how we deal with things from an internal toolkit way that if we now know that it's possible and capable, hence the reason why I'm asking Michelle 
to share some of these moments of the actual transition into the transformation process of the success of the healing and the grieving of getting on the other part. Sometimes that's all we need also. You just need to see that someone finished the marathon to now know that you can do it too, right? Someone was running the mile at four minutes and now they're breaking records on that four minute mile all the time. It's just something as soon as someone else has done it, they see that it's possible. It makes you feel comfortable and gives you permission to maybe think, maybe think I can do that too, right? So thank you again for always sharing. There's always so many nuggets that are in what you do share that just transpire and um, just transpose onto different layers of healing for everyone that could be possibly listening at whatever layer that they're at right now. Mm-hmm. We're coming up to possibly the end of the show in the next 25 or so minutes. I like at this particular point in time to just kind of open it up. I've done this for everybody else and I will continue to do so. Hold me accountable audience. Leave it down in the comments down below and also comment and share what you absolutely love about uh, Michelle here. She's amazing and we're grateful to have you here. Hopefully we have you again in the future, but I want to open it up and you, you can take the show topic wherever you'd like to go for the next however long. So the, the forum is now completely mm-hmm. yours. No question. Just completely yours as an esteemed guest. Well, I'm going to go with my intuition because something has been pinging it for the last, I don't know, 15 minutes. And I want to turn, <laughs> okay. it, turn it around to you, Adam, <laughs> because is. something is telling me that I need to hold space for you. Mm. Mm. Quite true. <laughs> in, a, uh, in a capacity of loss. If you are, if you are comfortable doing that, absolutely. But that's what my I intuition the, says. Uh, I think the family and the and the community that we've created here knows. Many of them know the uh, the journey that I've been on, and a lot of what you've been sharing has just touched me today. Um, <sighs> I was raised by a single father, and he is my world. <sighs> and just having the opportunity to understand that you went through what you've gone through, and how much he's meant to you. And that the missing and the the depth of the feelings that you've had and the beauty that you've been able to share in the process of the the toolkit that now you've provided for me. So not only has this been beneficial absolutely mm-hmm. for this incredible audience today, um, I'm humbled. Mm-hmm. Of course, I knew that today was going to be a great conversation. Um, and I think Dr. Phil is supposed to make the guest cry, but now you're going to get Dr. Phil to cry. So, um, that's great. Uh, mercy. Um, you're touching me on my heart and it's just, it's a huge, um, takeaway for me in the humble sense of understanding that there is a way to see the processes of the frustrations that might've been lax or limitations or difficulties in a way in which is absolutely the encapsulation though of the imperfectly perfect in that regard and throughout my journey i have lost um having been raised by a single father lost my mother a long time ago there's a whole part of my life that is a piece of that and a lot of what you've said today has resonated with me about the fact of just the choices that are made in life. My mother 
was a very interesting character in my life's story. Talk about a rough sketch to final draft. And my father painted himself into my world in quite the heroic stance and saved me from a lot of situations that um, were brewing at that particular time in my life. And we literally changed countries and came to here to uh, to start over brand new, just the two of us. It's been so for the past, you know, since I was nine years old in my life. So he is my world and everything that you have shared with us today about the connection and the love that you have for your father has just, it's been hitting me. If you get a chance to watch this back again, as we have this now posted up there, you'll see, uh, I think, a flush of emotions on my face a few different times. So leave me a comment down below if you guys caught it before uh, before I mentioned this. But um, it's been it's been a genuine joy having this conversation with you today. It's been, I would say, mood-altering and life-changing in many ways. And I love you for it. I am here to hold space. And I am sending you so much love um, and your father so much love. What a beautiful, beautiful thing to have. Um, oh, I just, that's, that has just really, again, touched me in return. So just... Um, just wrapping the two of you in this cocoon of, of love and light and peace. Um, so, um, yeah. <sighs> we talked about this. And I'm happy to share this vulnerability with the audience. Uh, this was going to be a good conversation today. We knew it. We knew it in advance. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay to feel these emotions. I'm a sympathetic crier, so you can probably tell that I'm also crying. Um, and that's okay. It's okay yeah. to let that happen. There's still a part of me that's like, oh, I can't do that. Um, and it's like, no, that's what, it, that's what this is about. It's about yeah. being vulnerable to show you, the listener, our beautiful, both of our beautiful communities that it's okay. This is natural. This is normal. This is simply human. This is what we do. I did a room for my community where I talked about, and the, actually the question, the title of it was, is it weak to cry? And of course, the answer is no. No, it's not weak to cry. It takes an incredible amount of strength. And, and crying is this is the body saying, oh, we need to cleanse. We need to cleanse some emotions out of the body. We're not just a body and we're not just a mind. We're both. And tears are beautiful. They're beautiful release. Just allow that to happen. Allow that to happen. Mm. It's the, uh, the tea kettle. I have to let the steam out. It truly is. It's it, mm -hmm. it, looking at it from an organic, biological sense. Pain is released by screaming and shouting. And mm. inward pain, soulful pain, emotional pain, which is literally part of the endocrine system and the emotional body. There really is legitimately yes. nervous centers inside the heart yes. 
the Abdullah Amblangada inside the brain and the hemispheres in the right and left that literally are emotional receptors. It's communication of its release is through the tear ducts. It's just the way the body yeah. was biologically created. There's nothing unnatural about it. I mean, if we want to like get into the idea of like trust the science behind it or trust the actual naturalness, like is crying natural? Yes. It's, all animals weep. Dogs cry. Kitty cats cry. Thing, it, it, like we've seen this. So yes. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yes. And, and um, yeah. Yeah, I've 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 had the benefit of being raised by the man that I'm I'm speaking about with my father. Perfect by no means, but at the same time, he raised yeah. he raised me to understand from a young age that having the head and heart connection was a thing that was very important in this life. If anything, with having had a father who is. Um, we're European. We're from France, and we're very much the lovers mm -hmm. of life. We're, you know, French are poetic, <laughs> romantic, and all those other kind of things. And my father embodies mm -hmm. that um, head and heart. He just is. He's a good man. He has a great heart. He has a good soul, and he's never mm -hmm. been shy to be able to share that kind of thing. And he shared that with me from a very young age. And then, having mm -hmm. been with only my father since I was very, very young, I had to actually genuinely be there for him in ways in which that most of the individuals don't mm -hmm. understand when you have a single parent. That when someone's upset, you have to learn to be aware of their awareness to be there for them. Dad maybe mm. wasn't the one to mention the fact that he was feeling a certain way, but I would yeah. come and sit down with him and be with him and start mm. the conversation and change the topic to something to make him laugh or be there with him in a way. And as I grew up and got older and my language changed and my awareness and my toolkit expanded, I was able to dive in with questions about what it is that you're going through. Mm. Um, Tell me more about that. What are you feeling? Like, well, how does that make you feel? And are you still holding on to that from the past? And my mm. father and I went through a lot of nightmares uh, through the situation with my mother and my grandmother and grandmother uh, situations with my mother and my grandmother back and forth, that whole entire dichotomy. That was never any happiness. And then my grandfather and my grandmother kind of exiled us from our family. And my father never had a chance to talk to anybody about this. So I grew up and ended up being there with him and for him in ways that nobody ever really else was. And I saw such healing take place and a let go of that pain that he had been carrying for so many years. And it, if anything else, throughout the rest of my professional career, right, taking 10 steps back, like, how did I get here? We're kind of going over this together, and I'm sharing now with you also as we're getting to um, connect more. We're having another episode, by the way. And I'd leave me down, um, uh, comment down below. We want her back. Yes, yes. Demand it and she'll come back. We have more to talk about, I promise. Um, then in my professional career, I felt that I was being kind of suffocated from what I really wanted to do. Mm. I was in consultation. I was con I was a consultant in the, in the corporate world in many different mediums. I don't want to have to get into that too much. But I realized that I really liked being with people. I started to, I was taken aback by the fact of, yeah, I do want to do this, right? Like I, I do genuinely like being with people and I didn't realize what capacity that I wanted to be there with them. And as I looked back into the history of my life, as I circle back all the way to the step by step by step, I looked at it like I've been there for my father ever since I was a child. I've been doing this since day one. Like this is absolutely who I am. If there ever was a calling that was carved out for me by the universe before I even knew it, 
the universe has been winking out of the corner of its eye at me this entire time. Like, this is your calling. This is what you're meant for. We gave you all these rough life experiences to beat you up, to beat you down, to transform you, to reforge you, to, you know, take the coal and turn it into a diamond through incredible pressure um, <laughs> because we want you to do this coaching thing. So you're going to go do this, Adam. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And it's just all of all of what you've shared today is just we have so many alignments and synchronicities. It <laughs> is now completely clear to me why I was drawn to finding you on Instagram. So anyways, taking a step back and um, if anyone else wants to go look you up now and in the future, trust me, you will find the love and the healing <laughs> in this woman's words and in her messages. And by the time that maybe you hear this. Um, a year from now, you'll be able to go get her book. So um, there you go. Because once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. So who knows? <laughs> right. we'll find it. And more today. That's right. So um, yeah, just, just holding love for you. Just holding love for you. So closing mm -hmm. closing thoughts, though. We're coming up towards the, the top of our, of our last bit here. Anything else to share? Yeah. Listening to you talk about your dad. And of course, how I shared about my dad, I just want everyone listening to us today to know something very important. Both Adam and I have been blessed with amazing fathers, perfectly imperfect. And I love, I love that you say that. Yeah. They have shaped us into who we are today. Huge, huge, of course. And I mentioned intergenerational trauma as well. Um, hmm. However, do not discount what both Adam and I have done for ourselves. The self-healing hmm. that we've done, how we've educated ourselves on, on, for me, on grief and for Adam on, you know, relationships and psychology and things like that. We, We've done a lot of work and you can't, we ourselves can't discount our own role in our healing. And I don't want anyone listening today to think that if they did not have that type of parental shaping or if their parental shaping was very different and was unhealthy, don't let that stop you. You are the master of your healing. And this is why earlier I said that a, a great therapist or coach is not going to come and tell you, you must do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be healed and blah, blah. No, they are there. We are here as a guide. Think of any great fantasy story. You know, a guide appears and that is what they do. They show you you have to go this in this direction but you are the one who finds the path and you are the one who walks it i want to give you such encouragement and again so much love and hope that whatever you are feeling right now whatever you're dealing with right now no matter how bad it is how tough it is Adam and I have been through some things and 
we've transformed and we've healed and we have gotten beyond that enough to meet the next challenge because there's always going to be challenges. The strength and the love and the peace lie within you. It lies within each of us. So it's going to be okay. Even if it isn't right now, you, oh, I believe in you. Even having not met you, I know that you are here for a beautiful reason. Even if you don't know what it is right now. And you are here in this time for a reason. We are so lucky to be alive today. When we have so much knowledge about the brain and about the effects of trauma on the brain and psychology and the ability to do just what Adam and I are doing right now, speaking across the country. We're not even in the same studio. We're not even in the same state. (laughs) We are in the same country. Yay. But, you know, we have this amazing ability to connect with our community, no matter where we are. So even if you are in a desert, a psychological desert, an emotional desert, Mm. we're here and your community is out there ready to love you. Thank you so much, Adam, for, for having me here. It was such a beautiful, safe experience. Thank you for doing that. You are an incredible coach um, and an incredible person. Um, And the reason I said yes is because I recognize that. I recognized what an amazing heart you have um, and just amazing content that you produce and the things that you share so vulnerably. Sometimes I watch your videos on Instagram and I think, oh my God, is he like looking in my head? Does he know that I needed to hear this today? (laughs) And that's why it's so important that each of us, each of us follow that intuition, follow your heart. Like I just did when I said, my intuition is saying, I need to hold space for Adam right now. Do it. Somebody needs to hear. Somebody needs the love that you have to give. That's why we're here to make to make the world a more loving and safe space, even if it's just within our community, even if that community is really small, that's where you begin. You begin here. So thank you, Adam, for having me on. And I would dearly love to come back whenever you would like to have me. Merci beaucoup. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. I have nothing else to add. I'm just going to let that sit there in the beautiful, loving space that it is. And I'm just going to go through the routine of closing out the episode lovingly. And um, for everyone who got a chance to benefit from today's conversation, we love you and we thank you. As Michelle said, we are holding space for you. We welcome you to find us on all of our social medias. Um, There's a website. There is an Instagram for Michelle. Those links will be down below. We have an Instagram for my page. That link will be down below. There is a Patreon account now. And we also have merch for the RSF2FD Rough Sketch of Final Draft. So take a look. Um, Support us where you can. We love you. We're growing. Thank you for all the amazing downloads. The videos from before the other episodes are all over 100 views. So love you. 
like and subscribe. I have to learn to say that now. And um, we love you. And we thank you so much. So have an excellent rest of your day, everybody. Cheers. Thank mm-hmm. you.